Welcome to the Good Start Podcast. I'm Barney Nelson with another amazing story of how blockchain is being used to change people's lives. Last week, Neil and I spoke about how AidTech is using digital identity to change people's lives by facilitating remittances, tokenized goods, transparent donations, and even smart contracts. This week, we continue that conversation, going into the finer details and considerations around how this business model can continue to make a difference today and in the future. The good, the bad, the challenges, and the aspirations for a firm with hopes of such a grand scale. As the largest and most multi-dimensional blockchain for good firm that I've come across, AidTech really is just such an excellent representation of where this sector can go. We pick up the conversation this week after Neil's Tanzania example, where he explained how AidTech was helping pregnant women with smart contracts. I think particularly the reference to the real-time data tracking and the management information, if you like, that you derive off these projects on a global scale is incredible. The lack of leakage, the transparency, um, and the kind of the trust, all of those parts, I suppose, are more self-evident as benefits. But I think the, the fact in the Tanzania example that somebody could see what was going on within hours, minutes, and you know, days and be able to actually act on it that's transformational. You listed brilliantly all of the benefits that you're bringing, but to add to that, you've also got the automation of, of aid disbursement through the smart contracts and the automatic management, their efficacy because of the big data and the predictive analysis that you can be running on it. So it, it I mean, it, it totally transforms the process. It does. And if mm. you think about it again, Barnaby, I'm going to keep banging on it, the drum, and back to my four P's of data, that data should be personal, private, persistent, and portable. That was the thing from day one. We took a step back and we thought, look, these women um, in Africa, a lot of them, uh, they weren't as fortunate as, as we were to get the same levels of education. Some of them had no education. But we didn't want to try and take advantage of them then by you know, giving them a digital identity that traced and tracked what they did. So even those women, uh, without knowing it right now, they have an identity that for as long as the internet exists, it will also exist for them. It's based on this concept of a, a decentralized identifier based on a World Wide Web consortium standard. But we, we're, we're thinking always a little bit ahead. We said, look, we want to put up an architecture in place that we, even if we're gone, that the women who have this decentralized identity that we provided them with in the near future, the data that they have generated about an important life event for them, like having a baby, they have control over that. And if, for example, an insurance company opens up in Tanzania uh, and they want to offer insurance to the women over there, or even something like an advertiser, if they want to target these people with ads, the women, if they want to receive an advert, to take that example, they choose you know, what they're going to share about themselves, you know, be it their gender, where they're from, etc. But they have complete control over that. And if an insurance company then wants to see information about them, they will control what that insurance company sees. But at least there is some history of them. That goes back to the social mission of ATEC. We do want to do good. But again, we do want to make money at the same time. And that we believe we can tick all of them boxes. And that's what we're continuing to do. And so you've obviously had incredible success. I mean, I think you've worked with pretty much all of the big names out there, the UNDP, the Red Cross. Uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of governments uh, giving you real kind of global scale you won lots and lots of rewards. Presumably that's put you in touch with or it's made you dependent on a lot of organizations on the ground in each of the countries that you've, you've worked on. 
how has that been? Because presumably there are, there are some good, some bad, um, but your success is presumably extremely closely linked to the people on the ground. How has the learning process been around that? Because that's when technology stops and presumably it's much more about human interaction and business efficacy. It is. And from day one, we felt, look, we, uh, you know, we're a startup. We want to be nimble. We want to be lean. We want to focus on you know, building the tech behind the scenes. And we thought, look, if you think about the reach that organizations that we work with have NGOs, charities, they can pretty much get you anywhere in the world. They generally have the trust of people on the ground. So they were our channel partner for a lot of the areas that we worked in. They can manage the delicate, tricky things that we didn't have um, any knowledge of beforehand. And frankly, then we don't really want to have knowledge. We just want to build out the tech to tick all of them boxes that I spoke about beforehand. And governments, yes, they, they can open up a huge amount of doors for you. And when you're dealing with people like banks, et cetera, like we are right now, and that's where probably the biggest part of our focus is the commercial banks that we're working with, because we started out in their eyes as a blockchain slash crypto company. Oftentimes the banks, and it's slowly changing now, that when they think of the word blockchain, they think of the word crypto, they will often think of Bitcoin, um, et cetera. And even to this day, there is that association between Bitcoin and fraud. So we thought from day one, we had to build up a really clean reputation um, prove that we can deliver when we're in the most hard to reach areas of the world. But really in the future, we see that the biggest organizations that we are going to work with are going to be commercial entities, banks, who can play a massive part in building that social and financial inclusion that we spoke about. But the KYC, the AML is a big issue for them. That That's really where a big part of the focus, but not mm -hmm. forgetting again, the, uh, the DNA of the company which is still continues to be driven by this, this desire to do good. And sorry, just completely off the wall, you've won an Islamic finance award. Now, is anything you do to do with Islamic finance or is, was it just finance in an Islamic country? <laughs> Yeah, it was mainly finance in Islamic country. The thing about blockchain that we've noticed, and just purely by chance again, is that it's very compatible with Islamic finance in that they refer to something um, RIBA, which is interest, and you can't make a profit from RIBA, which is, I guess, yeah. fundamental to the maybe Western banking systems. Because of the, the groundbreaking technology that we've built and because we had deployed it in countries that they serve, we're working with them right now to develop an offering and again, because of the nature of blockchain and the intrinsic value of digital assets, something really that they believe is going to play a big role in how they serve their people. And so overall, you're into your fifth year now then. Presumably, you're not exactly where you thought you'd be. The path is always twisting and turns and there's always many compromises along the way. What are the biggest surprises that you've, you've had along the way and how has that kind of distorted you from where, where you originally thought you were going to be five years in? Yeah, I guess initially even the name of the company, Barney, if you think about it, Aid Tech, the sole focus initially was an international aid and all of the different things that I spoke about, remittances, welfare, healthcare donations, they all purely came about by chance. And at the start, we didn't realize that identity really is the, the fundamental thing that we were delivering and building out the platform so that everything hinges around identity and enabling third-party developers to build on top of identity. That's been the most surprising thing. We would have referred to identity as a blockchain wallet addressed before um, we've completely re-architected you know how we, we issue identity to make our identity more decentralized and to enable mm. people to have that power over it and that purely happened just by getting out there um, meeting people seeing what the market wanted providing it to them 
seeing how the technology is maturing. What I spoke about there, for example, the idea of a, a decentralized identity, it was the US Department of Homeland Security who would have funded a lot of the research in this area. There's a number of different standards bodies like the IETF, OASIS, the World Wide Web Consortium. And that technology now, this, this idea of a decentralized identifier, is probably only 2018 that that really, really was, was capable of doing what it promised to do. All of the technology that we're building right now, it's still pretty nascent. We would have even positioned ourselves as a blockchain company a couple of years ago, but now really we're a company that's providing um, identity. We want to enable seamless access to, to life's most important services. That can literally be any service that anybody around the world wants to offer in a digital capacity. That's probably been the biggest surprise. And so then you've got a lot of organizations um, pouring significant resources into this, the World Bank, UNDP, and others. How do you see this both from, I suppose, from a commercial perspective and, and from a social perspective, how do you see this playing out in the, next, in the next year or two? I mean, how fast do you think you can run and how fast are you being pulled in? Yeah, it's a space really that's it's maturing every day. I think the European Commission were the driving force behind it, but it's quite a long acronym, I-N-A-T-B-A. A number of bodies, including big corporates, the European Commission, I think even some foreign governments, they signed up for this charter, which is bringing people together to develop consistent standards for blockchain around the world. The way I see it right now is if you look at blockchain, again, which is only part of what we do, there's many different types, there's many different flavors, interoperability is uh, is not very high a lot of work remains to be done in that area and mm. i think it's we're starting to see that bigger credible um players they're now seeing that look it isn't just bitcoin etc but there is something to this technology but to really get it to scale and to achieve its potential there does need to be a consistent joined up thinking and we're starting to see more and more of that right now and um, eventually i think all the blockchains We'll just work together and it'll be like the internet moving away from you know local area networks to wide area networks to a, you know an internet i think we are moving towards a decentralized internet then and uh time will tell yeah. if we're if we're right about that that's a great analogy because it's always been one of my biggest concerns is that particularly in the identity space whatever you build for example and then 10 other people also providing digital identities around the world if there's no interoperability or a basic standardization of the data even you're just creating a problem further down the line because you're not really actually solving the problem you're just moving it all onto shiny new tech for me the standardization piece is is a is an enormous element at least in terms of making it scalable that's a lot, a lot of work has been done. A lot more work is has to be has to be completed to get to get it to be really really scalable. But um, everybody wants that to happen. To your point, you need to reach a certain element of scale before you can start thinking about it. At the beginning, you're so focused on survival and on achieving the original goal that you set out to do that you don't really think about okay, wider scale, touching millions instead of thousands, and all that kind of thing. So presumably, it kind of creeps in through the back door a little bit as a consideration. And so we've talked about a lot of the positive stuff so far. I mean, on the downside, I mean, what are the things that you've had to say no to along the way? As a startup, you, you tend to say yes to too many things, especially in mm. the early days. How, how will I put it over time, especially with, the, with blockchain being a core part of what we do? Um, there has been a proliferation of people coming into the space, oftentimes driven more by an incentive to make profit. Uh, you know, the initial coin offering um, frenzy. 
in 2017 to 2018 being an example of that. And we had quite a lot of offers <clears throat> for people to use our technology for coin offerings because we had built a platform out there. But um, I wouldn't say it was a hard thing to say no to, but the thing that we really have to do now is to just to, to really narrow our focus mm. and do what we're really good at. And back to what you mentioned about taking on work on the ground and doing that or not doing that. We don't want to do all of the program, the project management, the logistics, taking care of all of those different moving parts. This would have distracted us from, again, developing the technology, which is ultimately the thing that we're good at doing. Mm. And um, that's that's probably been something that we've had to say no to, is we can't do everything end to end. Mm. We have done in some situations, but really for us to deliver a service that people want, it's best that we focus on doing that. And uh, you can take care of the, the logistics on the ground. Absolutely. And that seems to be a very common point, I think, around a lot of organizations, blockchain or others, that you start off trying to conquer the world and then you realize that you can't and you need to focus on core competence, I suppose. Mm. Exactly. It's a fascinating journey. I mean, I think particularly the swing round to focus on the, the individual, the identity and the building out of that, it's a path that presumably has um, as many surprises ahead of it as, as it does kind of behind you. But it's, it's incredible to see the number of cases that you've worked on across, we've already just talked about Lebanon, the Middle East, elsewhere, uh, Syria, Tanzania, the US. I mean, genuinely, I think it's incredible how many iterations there are of the same idea and how each one seems to evolve. Well, we're only getting started, Barnaby. We're, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're scaling the team right now at the moment. We're about to reach that phase now that we move from a startup towards a scale-up. We believe we've got all of the building blocks in place to really be a, a leader in the space. And that's what we're, we're hell-bent on doing right now. Well, look, well, really best of luck. And uh, as I said, I think I'll, I'll certainly be watching with great interest. So thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Barnaby. Really appreciate it. So this is the end of the series one of the Good Start podcast. I started this podcast to try and inform and inspire, to try and bring you uniquely original usage cases of blockchain, to make the technology seem a little bit easier to understand, and to give you a little bit of good news every week. I did it honestly more as an experiment than anything else, but I've been really, really blown away by the success and the reception that you've given me. You've invited me to speak at your companies, at your conferences, all the way around the world, and I'm hugely grateful for your support. I'll be back with a second series of even more colourful stories in October. And do please tell me if you find any more wonderful stories that I should be looking out for between now and then. Thank you so much for your support. Have a great summer or winter and see you in a few months.